0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to TeacherCast podcast episode number 115. You are listening to the one of the largest running and hardest working episodic podcasts in education today. Thank you for allowing TeacherCast to be a part of your professional learning network and for making TeacherCast your home for professional development. My name is Jeff Bradbury, and if this is the first time you're listening to the show, thank you so much for joining us today. We have a great episode for you. There's, of course, several ways that you can connect with us each and every week. You can find us on Twitter, at TeacherCast. Email us at feedback at TeacherCast.net. Leave us a voicemail at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. And, of course, subscribe to our many audio and video channels over at TeacherCast.net slash iTunes and teachercast.net slash YouTube. Welcome back to episode number 115. We have a great show. Today, we're going to be talking all about play, ways that you can help your students just get away from the technology and learn how to just relax, be kids, be students, and enjoy themselves. First, I want to share with you a couple really, really cool things that are happening here over on TeacherCast. Um, We've been making some pretty big changes to our website over at TeacherCast.net. We've streamlined a few things. Of course, if you're interested in this episode, you can find it over on TeacherCast.net slash, and this will be at... TCP115 for TeacherCast Podcast 115. But, you know, recently we've had an awful lot of people asking us about podcasting. How do you podcast? What kind of equipment do you use? How do I do things in my classroom? And to help educators out around the world, we have actually launched a new channel on TeacherCast. I'm really, really excited to share it with you. We've actually launched a website called educationalpodcasting.tips educationalpodcasting.tips. I started writing this a few days ago and already I've been getting a ton of feedback from these hits. I have things on here of how to start a podcast, what kind of equipment to buy, how to do audio, how to do video, and eventually educationalpodcasting.tips is just going to be a wealth of information with both audio, video, blogs, everything. I'm even thinking about creating a uh, an extra uh, podcast all around it to answer your questions. Of course, all those questions came to us from you guys that uh, came either through our voicemail over at teachercast.net slash voicemail or our email system from feedback at teachercast.net. So I want to give a shout-out to everybody out there who's been supporting the channel and for watching it. Thank you so much for supporting TeacherCast over the last three and a half years, and I hope you guys are enjoying your 2015. want to get to our topic today. Not too long ago, we were contacted by a great educator that says, do you know anything about this global school play day that's happening up here in february i said no what is this thing and then i started following the hashtag and i realized that there are so many educators out there that are signing their students up to not use technology i said what what do you mean not use technology and i realized that there is a growing movement these days to teach kids just to be themselves just to go out there and enjoy being students. I have some fantastic guests today, and I want to bring them on here. Uh, Tim Bedley was on our program recently, and I want to bring him back onto the program to introduce everybody here on the program and talk a little bit about what the Global School Play Day is. Tim, are you there? Thank you for coming back. Welcome to TeacherCast.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Again, I'm Tim Bedley. I teach fifth grade in Lake Elsinore, California, which is in Southern California, and I've got an incredible team of educators they have joined me in uh, setting up the very first annual Global School Play Day. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Misty, how are you today?
2: I'm doing well, thank you.
0: Tell us a little I'm, bit about yourself.
2: I teach sixth grade in Bakersfield, California.
0: Excellent. And, and how are your kids <laughs> doing this year?
2: They're doing very well. 31 students, and we just started one-to-one program.
0: Nice. One-to-one with what type of devices?
2: Acer laptops.
0: Nice. And how are you finding those?
2: They're pretty good. Not bad. We, have, um, we just actually started using Minecraft EDU on them, so it's pretty fun.
0: Nice. How did you start off with Minecraft? Is that something that the kids wanted, or did you kind of introduce that from your own thoughts?
2: Uh, I found out about it from current Q, uh, the Q conference, but my kids are really into Minecraft, so they nice. kind of thought of it and then raised the money, and so now we, we have it.
0: And what is the difference between regular Minecraft and Minecraft EDU?
2: The teacher hosts the server and can control a lot of the collaboration that's going on. So,
0: hmm. so does that mean that you need to be a Minecraft expert, or you need to you install that onto your school server, or you probably need help with that, right?
2: Yeah, I had to contact IT. That was definite, but I'm new and I figured it out, so
3: it's possible.
0: Nice. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Also, want to bring on uh, Bethany. Bethany, how are you today? Welcome to TeacherCast.
3: Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here.
0: Talk to us a little I bit about yourself.
3: kindergarten, first grade teacher mm-hmm. down in Escondido. I am also one of the 2014 County Teachers of the Year. Nice. And I also am a board president for a school that I started down in Fallbrook called Rock Rose, and we're a play-based preschool.
0: Nice. And, and talk to us a little bit about how you started a school.
3: I, um, when I had my son, he was about six months old, I started researching play-based preschools. And there weren't any in my area, so I got together a group and we created a nonprofit. And it's now been up and running for eight years, and yeah, it's going really well.
0: Fantastic! That is really, really cool. Congratulations on that.
3: Thank you very much. That's my uh, my volunteer job because my <laughs> paid job is the K one down in Escondido.
0: Very, very cool. Want to bring onto the show for the first time, Mister Eric Sable. Eric, how are you today? I'm doing
4: great. Doing great. It's uh. Really excited to be here and awesome to uh, be hanging out with this, this terrific team that uh, really came together a really short time ago.
0: Now um, you, you teach middle school. What do you do in middle school exactly?
4: I'm an assistant principal in middle school, um, formerly high school Spanish teacher for about 10 years and then six and a half years as a high school assistant principal. And as my first year in middle school. I told myself that, uh, you know, I wanted to, you know, expand my horizons and work with younger kids. So it's been really magical.
0: Nice. Very, very nice. Welcome to the show. And last but not least, I want to bring on Big Ron. How are you today, Oliver?
5: (laughs) I'm doing well. Doing very well. Glad to be here.
0: Tell us a little bit about yourself.
5: I am a uh, I've been a middle school and high school teacher for the past 12 years. And I actually this year, uh, you know, I've been trying to implement change as much as possible. And this year ended up taking a year of sabbatical uh, to Just took a year off to go implement and inspire change. So I've been speaking, writing, that type of stuff uh, towards education. Nice. Well, welcome, guys. Today we're talking all about play and and the idea that kids
0: need to play, I would say, would be pretty accurate here. Talk to us a little bit about the Global School Play Day that's happening on February 4th. What is it and how did it all get started?
1: Well, back in uh, on my Christmas break, I heard a TEDx talk by Peter Gray, and he is a scientist and an expert on the idea of unstructured play. Uh, He he writes for Psychology Today, so he's a a very well-known expert, and I was inspired by watching what he said and realized I was in a sense convicted of my own lack of encouraging play with my own students and in fact my own personal children. Uh, I've got some older kids that when they grew up in the neighborhood, they're adults now, but when they were in this neighborhood, they were playing on the street all the time with the other kids. They'd be out there at 10 o'clock at night playing kick the can. They'd be starting, you know, games with each other and basketball in the backyard shooting videos of each other doing weird things. And I remember when I was a kid just going out and digging and making a garden and, you know, starting little clubs with each other and just playing and having things that we did that I initiated that were not adult directed that were not micromanaged by adults and how much that benefited me and how much it benefited my kids and then I looked at my son who's younger and I thought he doesn't have that anymore there's no kids on my street that are playing and uh, it's like a ghost town I run in the neighborhood everywhere I go around here in this, these tract homes around by my house there's no kids outside playing at all and a lot of it's that they're inside on their devices they're playing video games their, their lives are over-scheduled and, uh, by their parents and by well-meaning you know, um, people, and they just don't have any time just to be kids and play. And so I wanted to start something to bring a, a shift in the movement in our country that's been moving in a decline of play, and I wanted to turn things around and see an increase in play among kids. So I contacted my brother Scott. I got to say a good word for him. He wasn't able to be on the show today. He's, uh, I think he said he was playing today. I'm not sure, but um, <laughs> so he couldn't be here today. But uh, he just was all on board and has been passionate about the movement, getting it the word out to just tons of people, as well as all these people that you see here uh, that are on the show with us today, and Brent Coley, who could not be with us as well. He's an administrator. We all just really believed in it and we put it out there and uh, said, you know, let's pick a day. We picked February the 4th and actually it's going to be the first Wednesday of each uh February because that's, you know, it's going to change and we don't want it to end up on a Saturday or Sunday. And so the first Wednesday of February each year is going to be Global School Play Day where schools basically just shut down their normal MO and say, "Kids, it's time to be kids again." Let's just play for a day. Mm-hmm. And the idea is not let's play all the time at school, thinking that that's the way school should be for elementary age kids or middle school or high school, but it's to send a clear message to the community and to the world at large that play is a valuable use of a kid's time. And so we want to start those conversations by ha- starting this movement and starting this event called Global School Play Day.
0: So, Tim, it seems like this concept of students and playing is something that, as you said, is lacking. I mean, I remember as a kid, we always used to hang out together. There was a bunch of us on the streets. We were playing football and hockey and you name it. And now I live in a neighborhood where that just doesn't happen. And there are a lot of kids around. Um, Why do you think this trend of let's go outside and just roughhouse and have fun and ride bikes, why are we seeing this go away?
1: Well, let me just address that quickly, and then I want to hear from the other members, because they've got a lot of great ideas, too. But a, a part of it is that parents are afraid of things. Uh, they they see on TV, you know, people getting abducted and all this, and so they think, and I don't think it's accurate, that there is a, has been an increase in crime related to kids, and so they they don't want their kids to go out there and do that kind of stuff. Uh, secondly, of course, is the all the technology that's involved in the kids' lives, and thirdly, it's the overscheduling, all the homework that the kids are assigned, and the adults basically taking charge of kids' lives and, and micromanaging and telling them what to do all the time.
0: But by telling the kids to play, isn't that also taking control of their lives? <laughs> I'm going to let
4: somebody else talk. Um, you know, I'll chip in real quick, and I think that um, <clears throat> that selfishly, and certainly from an administrative perspective, uh, you know, I look at play and, and uh, the, the dynamic of play as something that's uh, uh, just terrific teaching methodology. And I think that um, one thing we've talked about as a team is how over time um, somehow play, and, and Dr. Peter Gray talks about this too, that somehow play has been, um, uh, as, you know, associated with the opposite of work and the opposite of serious endeavor. And I get a chance to see kids at play before school, recess, during lunch, and I see them hard at work. I see them running miles every day. Um, I see them creating games that have never, ever been played before in human history. Um, I see them uh, engaged, uh, communicating, um, being uh, adaptive to you know, different uh, situations, um, different challenges. And, you know, and also, too, I think that, um, you know, in my role as, uh, you know, facilitator of adult professional development, that there's a huge role that uh, play has for all of us uh, in our continued enjoyment um, of each other as colleagues. You know, basically, you know, education needs to take a step back and stop taking itself so seriously, you know. And we need to reassert the basic humanity that that brings us together um, every day. And um, you know, a couple of the uh, of the teammates have said it really well, um, including Big Ron, uh, in some of his video appearances. Um, uh, he's our he's kind of our, uh, our our first man off the bench, if you will. And he said that, hey, you know, we got 180 days in the school year. Really, can we, uh, do we, can we give ourselves permission to dedicate one day a year to reassert the importance of of play as uh, the best learning tool there
0: is? Well, let me bring on uh, Big Ron here. Ron, let me ask you, Oliver. Um, mm-hmm. We talk a lot about creating. Amazing lesson plans using technology and iPads and Chromebooks, and the idea that students can now go out on a scavenger hunt and they can make you know movie trailers and do all these things. Are you saying that there's still a value to actually connecting with another human being face to face without
5: having to put it on Instagram and Snapchat? I, I do. I definitely do. And to tell you the truth, I'm a big you know proponent of of technology. I love technology, and and for me, the actual part in this that that I think is interesting is. You know, and, and Scott Bedley brought it up at one point where we're starting, you know, we wanted to have this rigor in college, uh, and obviously in college there's this rigor. Well, it started trickling down into the high schools, the middle schools, the elementary, to the point where we have kids doing, you know, such, and not that, I don't think it's the fact that it's technology, but it's nonstop instruction, and you have to be good at testing, you have to do this to get into college, and it's going down so far down the chain that I'm afraid as a, you know, a middle school and seeing high school students, I saw way too many high school students leaving the school, and you know, they might have gotten a 34 on an ACT or they could have gotten a 4.0 grade point average, but they're not leaving with the communication skills, the social skills, the, the passion, the creativity. They're not leaving with those things because they're not part of that structured schedule of school. And I think that's where it trickles out into the neighborhoods as well is that I don't think there's as many kids in the neighborhoods because it, the game of school has become so high stakes that, it, you know, as Eric said, we associate play as the opposite of work. So parents think, you know, we, can, we don't have time for that. We have to get our kid in a sport, we have to get them in a club, we have to have them doing homework at night, you know, nonstop. And I think unfortunately, th- those things are, are taking their toll. You know, and Peter Gray in his video makes a point to say, you know, when you drive past and see a soccer practice, football practice, whatever, that that's not unstructured play. That's an adult guiding that play, you know, so just being like, well, it's fine. My kids are in sports. That's not the play we're talking about that takes imagination and that type of stuff, and you know, one of the that I saw that, that is kind of disturbing to me is that I believe in genius hour and 20 time and giving students time to explore their passions. But one thing I found is that the older the kid gets, and this is so weird, the, the harder the time they have with it. By the time you get to a, a junior in high school, a senior in high school, it's just pretty much like, hey, you can have unstructured time. Uh, tell me what to do. They have no clue what to do. So the thing is I think that we've, we've overstructured our lives so much that it's taking a toll on our children, and we need to back up and say – What can we do to kind of cure all of this?
0: So let's ask that question. What can we do to cure all this stuff? Um, Let's bring up your website here. Of course, you can find more information out about the Global School Play Day here um, over at your website, globalschoolplayday.com. And talk to us a little bit about this here, guys. Take me through here. Um, There's a ton of videos. There's a ton of resources. Um, I'm seeing a lot of administrators signing up for doing this. Of course, I have to give a shout out to uh, the the fantastic uh, Dr. Jason Eitner here, uh, who's on your front page. Um, you know, I, I know I talked to Jason about it. I, I think I was even maybe even the one that sent him the link. It's amazing how many educators are signing up their students to be a part of this. Um,
1: take me through the website, guys. Misty, can you talk about the website?
2: Okay. Uh, Let's see. We have our resources. You can register on the side. A really good tool for people who are interested about Global School Play Day is the videos about play. So we have set up a playlist through YouTube. And then also we have our Twitter account, which is great to follow. You can see that on the right hand side of the page. And then also we have a a Facebook group, which is great for connections and just finding out more about it. And then also We have our hashtag here set up, uh, Global School Play Day, which is hashtag GSPD. You can see our logo here. And then really to set up and how does this work and how are you going to plan your day is the first thing that you're going to see. So especially for teachers and administration, they're going to want to take a look at some of the guidelines, what we've established as far as what do we see Global School Play Day as and kind of some questions that they may have. You can look there for some of the answers.
0: You, cert- you certainly have a lot of resources here. I'm, I'm you know, looking here at your, at your Facebook page. There's a lot of great things here for teachers to connect to each other. Uh, let me pull up here. This is fantastic because I, I, teachers all over the place are digging Pinterest. But all the resources that are here are absolutely fantastic and phenomenal. You guys have certainly put together an awful lot here um, to help out educators learn how to teach their kids how to play. Um, I got to say that's a great thing. And I got to say... As an educator, that's scary that teachers don't know how to help their kids play. Is that something that worries you guys, or is that really one of the big genesis for creating
5: a project like this? Well, I, I mean, I, I can right away say that my favorite, you know, my favorite thing that's come about from this is the participation we've had. So I'm so happy that there's that many educators willing to, willing to go a little outside of the box and to do this. But the other thing is bringing this issue and putting it on the table. Saying that really, if you're thinking, I mean, if it's 180 days, we're not saying give up a day. We're saying do something extremely valuable. But the number of people I've heard from, you know, behind the scenes that are like, oh, you know, we got testing coming up in a couple weeks. That's scary. I mean, I'm so glad that this issue is being brought up on the table so we can say, you know, what is best for our kids? And and really, we're not asking 50-50. It's one day right now of raising this awareness. So we have a couple of questions here for the group. Um, this is coming
0: in from Twitter. As far as structuring the day, how would you design a rubric around this?
3: What you can do is you can look at a lot of the different ways that they're playing. When you watch children play, there's a lot of different ways that they are playing. They have dramatic play. You have games to play. You have just building kind of play, which is constructive play and so if teachers are interested in building a rubric what they can do is look at the social aspect of it and the types of play that are occurring and the social interactions because a lot of kids depending upon their age they'll still be doing parallel play which is usually what you'll see in toddlers if they haven't had enough play interactions already
1: and uh, on the website as part of the teacher resources if you click on that link on the menu on the left it takes you to what to do with your class before during and after global school play day and part of that is having the kids make their own rubric i, I really believe in making this student-centered all the way <laughs> not just in their play but in the planning of it in the reflecting on it it's got to be student-centered and so the, the kids can make their own rubric about what they expect out of it what they want to learn from it and then what i did with my kids because i've already done this with my class is that after they play, you reflect, you have a class meeting, and you have them talk about how did it go for you, what did you learn, what problems came up, how did you solve them, and so on. And so you have the kids becoming self-reflective and self-taught, and that's really what we want from our kids, isn't it?
4: Well, I think it's a great point. And also, too, I think that um, as a first first try at this, that we're gonna learn by having the experience uh, a lot of times a uh, 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 an impediment or obstacle to trying new things is a fear of uh, not knowing how to do it or um, what if what if something happens or um, you know what are other people gonna think um, and you know and so I think that uh it's going to be really important for, for all the people participating to really document it, um, their reflections, um, their, their hopes and fears for it. And then uh, looking ahead, what did we learn from this experience as a whole, as a whole school, as adults? You know, what did we learn when we backed away? Um, and as Bethany was saying, kind of put ourselves in more of just an observational role so um, and and what can we do in our own work together as adults that 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 could benefit from this
0: let's talk about the educator's role here are you suggesting that for a day for a couple hours for a, a, a period of time the educator just says go Go and have fun. Or are they setting things up in blocks of time where, okay, for the next hour, we're going to do arts and crafts. For the next hour, we're going to go do jungle gym. For the next hour, do whatever you want. But now we're going to do cutting and pasting. How do you see, you know, structure, lesson plans? Or do you just see this as, all right, the bell rings at 9 o'clock. Bell rings at 2 o'clock. Have at it, guys. Anthony?
1: Anthony?
3: The way that I have planned it for my class is that um, the same way that I do every afternoon. We have a time called PDR, which is called Play, Do, and Review. And so at the end of every day, we have about 30 minutes, and the children have different options to choose from in the room. So I'm not telling them that they have to go do a puppet play, that they have to go and build with Legos, but those things and options are there. And the kids do a very good job at choosing what they're interested in playing. And then you can also, as an observer and as the educator, you can watch the different things that they choose, and then you know a lot more about a child by what they choose to play and the people that they choose to interact with. So I think in terms of setting it up, at least for the primary, for the little ones, is that making sure that you have a lot of options out there and then letting them choose and kind of go for their day that way.
0: And what do you do if a a student who is a good student just wants to sit in the corner and read a good book.
3: That's their kind of play. And so reading is still a type of play for some kids. Sometimes it's an outlet, but then you look at the way that they, what they might be trying to escape from. Are they trying to escape from the actual social interaction with other kids? If that is something, then it's another issue that you can approach on another day and encourage them to play with one other kid. Cause you'll always have your introverts and you'll have your extroverts. And so, You'll have the kids that will just want to play with one other child, where you also have the children who will engage half of the class in a game of, you know, let's go, let's make a roller coaster or a truck. And so you will have all different kinds of learners in the classroom. And so making sure that you have options for all of them in their play is very essential.
0: Now, you just said options for all the kids. And, you know, I'm reminded here a lot of the kid that isn't the I'm going to go outside and dig in the dirt. The kid that's not the let's go play hopscotch," if people still do that, but the kid Thank that you, his, you. <laughs> his favorite thing to do in the world is go build Minecraft or is go build a video game or is, you know, all those things that we say technology is great for. What do you do for those kids that are just like, but I really do just enjoy spending time by myself or with two people, and my idea of play is not playing Pokemon, but is building, you name it.
3: Right. The main thing that I often bring up to parents about like why I don't use technology in my classroom is that I have friends who have applied for MIT and who work up at Google, and the people who are applying to MIT, they, depending on what, of course, area they're going into, but in terms of engineering, a lot of their application processes, um, they're given an erector set, and they're told to build something that needs to be three-dimensional that's not on technology because they want to see that somebody can actually build something with their hands, not just on a computer screen. Also, in terms of Google, I know that some of the times that they do, or Microsoft, they um, do an interview and they actually make the person do charts and not do a a keynote presentation or a PowerPoint. They actually want to see that they can do a paper and pencil kind of application. So even large businesses are moving away from using technology 100% They need to make sure that people have that social interaction and can use their hands and write words, not just type them. And so there will be kids who will love Minecraft and who will love to build SimCity and be able to do all of that, but oftentimes they just don't know any other option because they were never introduced on how to play a video game. It's much easier to plunk your kid down in front of the computer and go, here, let's learn how to play Minecraft then actually sit down and say, okay, let me teach you how to play checkers. Let me teach you how to play a card game and that social interaction that goes with there. So oftentimes in all the children that I've interacted with, when they choose videos, it's because that's all they know. And so once you actually show them that one-to-one interaction for the introverts, it actually helps them break out of their shell.
0: I love the way you put that. It really does seem like the Global School Play Day is really about the art of teaching kids how to just get out and breathe fresh air, which is, I think, something that every kid needs to do. Um, Guys, again... Global is the website. It's happening this year, February 4th, 2015. The hashtag here is G S P D, which I believe if you guys want to break into Antarctica, that's going to stand for global school penguin day. Right. That way we can right. get the full continent continental <laughs> experience here. Um, you read our minds. I'm very, very good at that. Um, thank you, guys, so much for coming on the show. Uh, let's talk a little bit about where we can get a hold of you. Let's start with uh, Misty. Where can we find more information about the great work? And please share your Twitter address.
2: Okay, my Twitter handle is at MistyNorman12, and I also have a Facebook page, Misty Norman Higgins, and my blog spot is ibmisty.
3: So that's it.
0: Excellent. Bethany, where can we find more information about the great stuff happening in your neck of the woods?
3: Well, I usually post through Twitter through my preschool, which is Rock Rose School 1, and then um, via my Facebook through Rock Rose School as well.
0: Excellent. Eric, where can we find out more about the great stuff happening in Northern California?
4: My Twitter handle is uh, E-C Sable S-A-I-B-E-L I work at uh, Hall Middle School, and our school handle is at Hall Middle, and my personal blog is principalsintraining.wordpress.com. That's a mouthful.
0: <laughs> Oliver, where can we find more information about the great stuff happening with you?
5: Uh, my Twitter handle is at, and then it's S C H I N K one zero, so at shink ten. And like I said, it's, it became a moral imperative for me to take this year off, so I'm not teaching this year. I'm really trying to help empower any educators that are you know really trying to create change in education and make it more relevant so uh, anybody who you know wants help with stuff and that i'd love to i did start a website which is assistedshift.com uh and just to kind of you know start posting resources and start shining a light on everything great that's happening in education
0: tim thank you so much for putting everything together uh where can we find more information about you and that uh you do a podcast don't you my friend
1: I do a podcast with the uh, great Scott Bedley, and uh, you can get a hold of him, I want to give him a plug too, at Scott Teach, except there's only two T's in the middle of that, so S-C-O-T-T-E-A-C-H on the Twitters. Uh, you can get a hold of me at T tbed63, that's T as in turkey, bed as in the first three letters of my last name or what you sleep in, and then six three on the Twitters, and then I also have a website, uh, timbedley.com.
0: Excellent. One second. Well, my friends, that wraps up another episode of the Teacher Cast podcast, episode number 115. I want to get, thank again my friends from the Global School Play Day for coming on today and helping – prepare your students for a wonderful day of play. I hope you guys take advantage of it over on February 4th of this year. There's, of course, many ways that you can reach out to TeacherCast and connect with us here on our channels. You can, of course, find us on Twitter, at TeacherCast. Leave us a voicemail at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. Email us at feedback at TeacherCast.net and I certainly recommend you do that. That's how this show got started. That's how many of our shows get put together. Of course, you can subscribe to this and audio, and video channels over at teachercast.net slash iTunes, teachercast.net slash YouTube. And please check out our brand new channel over at podca- or educationalpodcasting.tips. Educationalpodcasting.tips. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for allowing TeacherCast to be a part of your professional development. And I hope you take a moment to share TeacherCast with your PLN. Please join me on TeacherCast.tv each and every Sunday night, bringing you the best in educational programming live at 7 o'clock on the Tech Educator Podcast. Until next time, keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students.